Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. We're going to come strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Welcome to another edition of the Blitz. It's uh, we're we're a little uh, we're a little toasty in here today. Man, we're sweating it out over here. I'm already sweating, bro. I put on lotion. Yeah, I wish we were on Lo- video today. Lotion makes you sweat more. I got oh. a lot of cocoa butter because I had some some television stuff to do, so I couldn't be ashy. And now I'm regretting it because I'm sweating up in this room, man. We working hard for this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Rod's officially like showing the wife beater right now. Dude, I'm saying, yeah, right. we're going not, You're not style. wearing a wife beater. You're just wearing a regular old V-neck I'm just a regular shirt. old V-neck. Cause no, I, this, I wear this because I, so I won't sweat on my nice shirt that I had to wear today because I wore a sport coat and everything. I got some TV stuff to do. And now I'm regretting that because I'm sweating. I'm going to have to take this off and just go with a straight-up V-neck and just look hood around yeah, here. Yeah, see, at first I thought you were wearing the wife beater underneath it, but then I realized no. it's the specialty, the yeah. South Texas 75-year-old man T-shirt. Yeah, you like, can't wear wife beaters in Texas. <laughs> no, these do, are those white V-necks. Do, you know what? The wife beater is the most useless undergarment yeah. out there. What the hell is a wife beater for? It serves no purpose. Honestly. It really doesn't. You know what? I'm totally against wife beaters. Yes. I don't want them. I don't like the name that they now have. That's you know, in this PC world, you think we, yeah, that's not very yeah, PC. I don't want it. I don't want wife beaters around. They serve no purpose. And what the hell? That's one nickname that's fallen through the cracks in the past few years that we haven't seen before. <laughs> like beater. the wife beater. Everybody still calls them wife beaters. They still call them wife beaters. And you can only probably think <laughs> cops TV for that. What if or because you have, they have a negative connotation if somebody sees you in a wife beater? If you are wearing a wife beater out in public, let's admit yes. you have <laughs> something you, went you're, wrong. You're probably being profiled as yes. somebody who is on the kind of lower totem pole of of, of society. Well, and you, you probably I mean? had something go wrong. Your shirt was ripped off, or maybe you woke. <laughs> up somewhere and like you're in your underwear like yeah, either way normally no. you don't end up in a wife beater in a good situation wife, yeah wife beaters need to be off it's like tidy whities tidy whities and wife beaters dude i'm done with both of them yeah you know, tidy uh, whities for sure not yeah. to drag this subject on too far but um i i <laughs> actually i actually have stopped the one time we don't have video too we can't even show i it. actually have stopped wearing the undershirt altogether because oh, yeah. like really? under armor and nike you're making such good oh, dry fit the stuff breathable is breathe yeah you yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. to roll the undershirt you get anymore. the dry fit stuff yes yeah, really i'm gonna light. Pro- I told yes. my wife because I picked up uh, in Texas. Um, what? It's really tough well, to wear under. Just a sweater like me. Yeah. I'm a sweater, and sweating yeah. is not like a weight thing. You just were born a sweater or not. I oh, sweat, yeah. dude. I sweat yeah. like ridiculous. And I've unfortunately yeah. passed that on to my daughter. Oh, she's a sweater too. Yeah, yeah. No one. If, if, if she takes a nap it. next to you, it's like good lord. Like it's like we're baking bread here. She's man. like a little heater. Yeah, <laughs> pure <laughs> jeans. Yeah. So, but no, I told my wife eating each other. I'm in the process, like even like my nice polos that I would wear like to a press conference. I'm in the process of like swapping out all the cotton yeah. ones for the dry fit stuff. No, the dry fit, you're right. So much more comfortable. Technology, right. man. That's true. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to hit this week, though, gentlemen, um, and I, I'm I'm trying to find the anniversary to make sure I've got it right. Rod, I believe 
this is ten year anniversary of you earning your degree from the University of Texas. Uh, yeah, I believe you were all right. Yeah, because two thousand eight, I believe is. Uh, I'm I trying to find. I'm trying to find the because Texas sports did a story on you coming back to get your yeah. degree. No, I did. I did. I went and got it. I went and got it back. That's, that's when I was officially done in the league. I was like, ah, I'm done with it. Let me go back to school, get my degree. Back best when, thing that ever happened to me. Back when you decided uh, you didn't want to roll uh, at the Palace on Parma with the yeah. Wranglers, playing with guys that look like myself and John Madden. Yeah, I had that moment, man. Yes, yes. Rod, you did participate in spring commencement 2008. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, how 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 long has it been for you since you graduated? Uh, I was in 07, spring 07. Oh, nice. 07, okay. Yeah, so that far from me. No, nice. not sir. I like yes, that. So yeah. I was, That's I w- how we met each other at the radio station, <laughs> two guys in a corner. <laughs> so I was I was, I was, was August of 09, um, so we're all kind of Dude, in the same. Dude, that's uh, wild. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and what's, you know, one thing I want to make clear, you know, for anybody out there, all our listeners, uh, maybe some that are graduating high school, um, maybe you've got kids that are graduating high school. Yeah. Here's how I look at it. It's always kind of weird to me. I, I always, I always, it, it always strikes me how like people look at high school graduation as being like a big deal, and to me, it never really was. Oh man, yeah, I think it is now. I it, it should be because we don't realize because we're spoiled that some people don't even graduate from high school. Yeah, I guess you yeah. don't realize that you you had did you have people that you went to school with that didn't graduate from high school? Yeah, I did. I no. did. Yeah, and I was no, like, I mean, I grew well, up in a small town. So sample size yeah. right there, but well, yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Because in Houston, too, there are guys that won't graduate. They, yeah, they're like drift. I'm like, what are you doing? They're I know like, many of like them drift off and won't go to school. And I'm like, what else do you have to do? You got to explain to me what you have to do. Yeah, nobody likes going to school, but you got to explain to me what's more important. And they'll just skip school, hang out, yep. do whatever, and won't graduate. Either had to get a GED or never get the GED and decide that's where they want to start in life. And yeah, trust me. That's so for me. I don't take it for granted. I actually yell randomly at kids I see in their, you know, in their garments to graduate. Yeah. All right, in their cap and gown, and I'll yell them, "Congratulations! Yeah, yeah, do the damn thing!" Get some enthusiasm do the damn thing. because they should be excited about yeah. it. We don't get excited enough about it. It's one of the last free educations you can get in this it's damn very country. True. I never looked at graduating <laughs> high school as a big deal Boy, to me. It was going to be if, if I finished college, that was going to be the big deal. And yeah. understandable. You know, and and I was too. I was at commencement. I was, the same I was at commencement at Texas State. Last week, because my wife got her master's degree. Oh, so now that's that ass. And and what Damn. was what was nice about that is it was like a small ceremony. It was like the Friday 10 a.m. one. So that's when that's the ceremony where we're like, hey, we got four of these to do today. We're reading names and getting you out of here. We're, it was over in like an hour. Wow, that's cool. So yeah, which was really nice, Matt. Um, that means she was going to school like while pregnant and also. My delivery. wife had a baby and got her master's degree in the same semester. <laughs> it's crazy. It's impossible. It sounds like yeah. I mean, it makes you feel bad as a man. Yeah, it makes me. Make, it makes me. Like, feel, what are you doing with makes yourself? Me feel pretty worthless. Don't take this I'm as an insult, but your master's wife is a bigger man and, than I will ever yeah. be. Yeah. And birthday, another human being. What did you do with your 2018, Jeff? Uh, what did you do, Texas Matt? Uh, played fantasy basketball. <laughs> yeah, right? Covered the draft. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, no, but I, it just this We're time boys. this time of year always you know it always kind of brings back those feelings and I didn't realize it until I told my wife I was like wow I've almost been done with college for ten years like it's oh, nine yeah. years since I've been done with college time and I was flies, thinking man. you know because people look well Jeff didn't you graduate high school in two thousand two and I go to the Tommy Boy response hey a lot of people go to college for seven years yes um, my brother. <laughs> oh. 
That's but, all doctors. To yeah, longer than that. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I just I, I want to congratulate everybody. If you're a high school graduate, you've got kids graduating high school, you listen to this podcast, congratulations. It's 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 a it's a nice moment for the family. But those of you who are graduating college, whether you're getting your bachelor's degree, you're getting your master's degree, you're working towards a degree, to me, and Rod Rod Matt, I don't know how you guys feel about this. This is kind of why I wanted to riff on this for a little bit. I don't know if you – do y'all have your diplomas hanging on the wall in your office no, or your house? No, my mom has mine. Your mom My has mom yours. took it, and she has it hanging <laughs> on the wall. I haven't seen it since I graduated, so I took it to her. So, yeah, Matt, where, Matt do you know where yours is? I don't even know where it's at anymore. I used to be in a desk drawer, but then when I moved, I, don't, I haven't paid attention to where it's at. I, uh, that's one thing that no matter what I do in life, I look at that. like I, That's something I feel like I actually accomplished. Oh, like To yeah. me, the college, like, college yeah. is one of those things where like the coursework wasn't – quote unquote difficult like I didn't think it was like oh my gosh it's like some yeah, I'm doing some like upper level learning here it's just it's a grind man and you realize like wow okay I've done a lot of work this semester I've right. still got 36 hours to go before I graduate hey <laughs> so yep. it's a grind man and well you know what I love about college and I think why everybody should do it and honestly we have a debate now about how you know how impactful and how mm-hmm. relevant the curriculum is uh, you know, as it relates to our, the life we have to live today in the current economy and the mm-hmm. current, you know, socioeconomic structure of the country and all that. Like, you, you could argue they should be teaching taxes and car loans and house loans in college. Yes. Like that should be part of your curriculum. Or high school. You know what I mean? Honestly, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's you what you should school. be doing right, right now. You should be learning about taxes and loans and economics and finance. That's going to be most of your life, and yet... We, everybody got to pay taxes most of their damn life, and nobody knows about taxes, so you got to hire somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, car loans and house loans, but they, don't, they want you to be ignorant about that. That's a different discussion. But what I do like about college is it's about time management, and that's life in a nutshell. How do you manage your time? You got places to be. Jeff, you're all over the place. You're on campus. Mm-hmm. You got to go back home to tend to, you know, the baby and the family. You got to be up here for the podcast. You got to do television, all this kind of stuff. How do you manage your time? How productive are you with it? And then you got to prep. And then you got to write stories and all that kind of stuff in the meantime. Oh, but but by the way, wifey wants some time. She wants to hang out and she wants quality time. and everything. So you learn as you get older that damn Time is money. It's all about how you manage your time. Are you good with managing? And that's football in that show with coaches. That's their challenge, right? right? You got a certain amount of time. The NCAA allows you certain amount of practice time, certain amount of time with the kids, strength and conditioning, how you manage your time. Those are the people, honestly, that become most successful in life. They just figure out how valuable time is because we all have it limited. That's why life is so valuable because we're all on a clock right now. And how do you manage it? And I have gotten better at that. But college teaches you that because you got to have the social calendar. You got to go out and hang out. But I got to go to practice. Uh But I got to work out. I got to lift. I got to go to study hall. But I got to go to class. I got to go chill with my homeboys over here because they kicking it over here. And I got this chick that I'm trying to date, too. So (laughs) I got to give her about three hours. Yeah, for you as a student athlete, Rod, it's a a totally different ball. I couldn't even imagine being a student athlete back then. And that's what I had to master about your third year you master as a student athlete. Yeah, and like an education process basically it, everything you said added on, then the employer, when it sees that diploma, is like, okay, it has a baseline of a work ethic and exactly. getting the job done the and job then done. understand that it was yeah. done at a serviceable level and that this person can be given a deadline or given X yeah. and be expected to work diligently enough to be serviceable Accomplish to go on. Exa- exactly. Yeah. And that eliminates a lot of the people right there because it just shows if you're motivated within or not. And then add on to it. Yeah, I, I mean, I paid my way at school, so I had to work, but 
never even thought of if half I had to be on a team traveling, going all over the place. Like that would be so much tougher when you add on the practice hours, added on to whatever else you're you're expected oh, to do film, yeah. and then all the different abilities to go around. There's like, yeah, that's a full time job. That's why y'all aren't allowed to have jobs whenever you get yeah. a scholarship. You aren't that's even allowed point. to. Which you're not is great. allowed to. Yes, yeah. so that's a violation. violation. Make work. money. Violation. <laughs> Make money. Hard earned money. Yeah. Violation. violation. So, Rod, congratulations yeah. on this being ten years that. Uh, you earned your degree from Gracias. 40. Uh, let me bring in, let me uh, in, formally introduce the rest of the team real quick. He's the master of the soundboard, the driver shooting extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, real quick, don't want to spend too much time on this, but you know the Supreme Court ruling with uh, giving states the rights to to have sports betting in their states mm-hmm. if they wish. I've seen a lot of people making assumptions about what this means for daily fantasy players, and you being that's that's your deal that's your wheelhouse that's basically how you make your living now mm-hmm. is as a daily fantasy player uh Real quick, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have on you going forward? Well, with the ruling, the ruling's totally separate entity because you have sports gambling and then you have the Internet Gaming Act of Daily Fantasy, which is why it was able to operate before this even came into existence. So those things are separate entities, but I think this is only going to help Daily Fantasy a ton because gambling is really, it's not as if like this money, even if there gets a percentage to the leagues or whatever it is, that's the minuscule effect. The effect is in gambling. Engagement. Now it's like you want the reason why fantasy sports made the NFL or made your everyday person that wasn't a football fan maybe a fan who's because they have a reason to root mm-hmm. for something in the engagement. Now it's like okay, maybe go to the game or if you're at the game, you may like it. But now if you got Texas minus three and it's coming down to the final four minutes, you know, or if say it's minus nine and it's a blowout, you might have a reason to actually watch. So that engagement, if you get a person more engaged in the game, yep. it's going to be more reciprocated that then it's going to come back down because if you have more people paying attention they may like the fantasy version more i think if you look at the two just mathematically it's almost impossible to gamble and make money like you have to beat right. the house the best mathematician setting these lines mm-hmm. and be at 52 to 54 exactly. percent just to yes. just to barely profit yeah now we're not even talking and then if you lose we're talking i mean to double your money's tough in daily fantasy i think is so yeah. much easier and it was already legal and it is is a lot different in its individual base. So I think this is only going to help engagement, which yeah. fantasy sports already helped mm-hmm. engagement, and it caused all these leagues to explode into these TV contracts. So now with gambling, it's just going to be more engagement, more money involved. So it's only going to help. And then because daily fantasy was already legal, it this just makes this – now I never have to worry about daily fantasy being declared illegal. Because yeah. there was a time in like 2015 right. whenever right. like FanDuel pulled out of Texas. Area. Because uh, e- even fantasy like shows on ESPN were sponsored by yeah. like fan. Oh, you have arenas. You yeah. see DraftKings uh, things. NFL I mean, Network, even yeah. Jerry Jones has a DraftKings bar inside his stadium and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, when you look at now, in 2015 was when FanDuel jumped out of the state and DraftKings monopolized it. Now you may start to see those certain ones that weren't in certain states maybe come back in down right. the road just because it's going to just be desensitized to the, you know, our different moralities that were imposed by the government. Um, $4.7 billion was bet on the Super Bowl last year alone. 96% of that, basically $4.6 billion was illegally bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I, I've seen anywhere the, the prognostication, the projections that the 
the worldwide sports gambling uh, revenue is around $150 billion, potentially. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> nobody NBA, knows because there was such a black knows. market for nobody, Exactly. It's such a black market. Nobody actually right. knows what it's going to be worth. Mark Cuban saying it's going to double the value of the top four sports leagues franchises, at least. Yeah. Right, right now, the, all the leagues double. They're going to double. Yes. Um, so, yeah, man, I think it's going to be a huge. And. People forget this. The initial case the Supreme Court ruled on was Murphy versus the NCAA. So the the the, the entity that is most opposed to this is the NCAA because they have the most to lose. Right. Yeah. Um, you just heard him break down those numbers, folks. That's why uh, he is a renaissance man. He is our lockdown corner here on the show. Always has his numbers in his house in order. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL when he was done with football. Got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres where he earned his degree, as we said, 10 years ago. If he had his T-ring, which he earned that day, he would wear it proudly, but he does not want him to get that resolved. Nevertheless, he was number 21 in your program, but he's number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, thanks for the intro, let's brother. go ahead and start the conversation with the big news that came out today as we record this this morning. Texas and Alabama going to do a home-and-home home series in 2022 and 2023. 2022 in Austin. 2023 in Tuscaloosa. That's awesome. Texas bumps back their home and home with Ohio State to take place in 2025 and 2026. So, if you're keeping score at home, let me run down what the marquee non-conference game for Texas is basically for the next decade. 2018 versus USC. 2019, LSU at home. 2020, at LSU. 2021, at Arkansas. Now, keep in mind that Arkansas game, that was part of a home-and-home home that was scheduled for that 2000, I think it was 2008-2009, or maybe it was and 2008 and something else. Arkansas yeah. moved it, Hurricane. so basically Hurt, yeah. it got bumped to 2021. Uh, 2022, Alabama at home. 2023, at Alabama. 2024, at Michigan. 2025, Ohio State at home. 2026, at Ohio State. And 2027, Michigan at home. Rod, this is huge for me for a couple reasons. Number one, Texas keeps stacking these marquee non-conference games on their slate and giving their fans something to get excited about. The burnt orange faithful should be pumped that they know they can circle their calendars and say in 2022, the Alabama Crimson Tide are going to come to DKR for a football game. And the fact that you got Alabama to schedule a true home and home. It's Mm -hmm. not like it's going to be in you know, Atlanta and Arlington or yeah. Atlanta and Houston, it's on campus, home and home series. This is just gargantuan in terms of getting this done by Chris Del Conte and Greg Byrne. I agree. And I mean, they really didn't have a choice. Uh, it's something that, you know, Oklahoma's been doing for the last five, six years. You know, we kind of just kind of front loading that schedule with big time non conference opponents. And although the, res- the, the respect or disrespect, I should say, of the Big 12, um, it ends up hurting teams in the long run. We look at the college football playoff. If your non-conference can give you that boost later on, Oklahoma's learned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Texas didn't learn that lesson early enough. Texas now, I think, has learned that lesson in the modern college football playoff era that we live in. The Big Twelve ain't enough. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like that people disrespect the Big 12, whether it be the NFL, whether it be college football, whatever. They disrespect the Big 12. They don't have enough respect for it. So it's not enough just to win the Big 12. Now, you guarantee you win the Big 12 as Oklahoma and Texas, you're in, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But if you want to guarantee yourself even kind of a fail-safe that, you know, if you do slip up in Big 12 play, that if you won a game over a big-time non-conference opponent that's also in the college football playoff discussion, that may give you the leg up. We've seen that example several times played mm-hmm. out already in the college football playoff, and it's only in its infancy in the last four years. So I think Texas has learned the lesson that if you're a blue blood and you're a big dog, you can't tiptoe around the non-conference. Right. you got to load it up. And it's also a gift for the boosters and the donors and for the fans. You go back to 2008, mm-hmm. and I think this is when you look at the lost odds of Mac Brown when they started looking at scheduling different. I think that's what did it because when you look at what separated Texas and Oklahoma in that BCS yeah. ranking that determined who exactly played right. in the Big 12 championship game, you go back and look at the Texas schedule that year, the more key matchup for Texas when they scheduled it was going to be Arkansas. Yeah. What well, was the first year of Bobby Petrino's tenure in Arkansas was 5-7. and seven. As it turned out, the best game on Oklahoma's non-conference schedule yeah. was Cincinnati. And at the time, keep in mind, the Big East, yeah. that was an automatic qualifier yeah, right. conference. Yeah. Cincinnati under Brian Kelly won 11-3. Yeah. So, so, and you can survive these games like we saw that with Ohio State. The year point. Herman was there, and you can lose it and still win your conference and make it through. And, I mean, we even saw it in the 05 year. I mean, that Texas and Ohio State game, once Texas won that, it was like, oh, if we won that game, now all we got to do yeah. is ride through and beat Oklahoma and you're in. And then the next year it was against, you know, the Colt McCoy situation. And oddly, mm-hmm. we had a chance to get back into it after losing that game. If Texas beats Kansas State with Javon Sneed playing quarterback, who knows what happens and where Texas goes. If those were four-team four playoff years, Ohio State would have been in in 05. And yeah. then you would have maybe saw Texas sneak up if they would have made it definitely in 08. But even would have made it in 06 if they would have been able to beat Kansas State. So I think it was just that modernization of once you got into this BCS system and it wasn't just stuck to the old way of winning your conference, you have a win-loss record and there's no other analysis. Then you get into all these equations of factoring it. You had to really impress and either from strength of schedule to margin of victory, you had to have both of those type of things. And when Texas realized, I mean, you see it and then that becomes the deciding factor in other years when you don't make it, it just becomes obvious that when you're a big power it's worth doing it just because even the loss doesn't necessarily eliminate you you, but the win is going to vault you above the rest exactly once the big 12 went to 10 teams and went to the nine game round robin mac brown looked at scheduling this way you should have and this was max theory and i'm not saying this is right but this is just where he was coming from and you've seen this in the kind of emerge in, in the scheduling texas has had since then and, and he and DeLoss and, and Butch Worley and all those people in the athletic department at the time kind of got to they, – they were the ones in charge of making the schedules that Texas is playing right now. Mac always thought it would be nice to have a – kind of one game should be against like a, a Rice or a North Texas, an in-state mm-hmm. opponent that yeah. you should beat. Mm-hmm. No, Regardless of how bad you are or how good they are, you should beat them, no questions asked. This, another game should be against either a pretty good, respectable, like group of five team, as we know now, or kind of a lower level power five type team. Yeah. A game that's a little bit more of a challenge, but you should mm-hmm. probably win. Uh, and then the third game, you should play a power five team that's on your level or around yeah. your level. 
Uh, and we've seen Texas do that. And you look, Rod, that's pretty much the way the schedule sets up yeah. uh, for Texas for each of the next two years because 2019 and 2020 are now done. The 2019 schedule, Louisiana Tech at home, LSU at home, and then at Rice, I would imagine that's probably going to be a game at NRG. Uh, and then 2020, uh, South Florida at home, which is a return of Charlie Strong to the 48. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, that would be at, cool. At LSU and then UTEP at home. So that's you're following the Mac Brown line of thinking pretty much verbatim. Yeah, Mac Brown. I mean, most of that was about recruiting and the influence of recruiting. That's why Mac wants to play a game in state. You know what I mean? And not only just whatever the Power 5 team that you play that may come to DKR, and most of the time uh, that was the case, uh, and you do a trade-off home-and-home, but he wanted to play one of those lower-level opponents in state, not only, you know, not guaranteeing a win, but your your chances of success, your odds of success were were pretty high when you would play that. I don't know, TCU at the time it Mm -hmm. could have been because they weren't necessarily a Power 5, but they were, you know, Mountain West, which wasn't Power 5 at the time. They did a one-off with TCU in uh, 07. Yeah, Yeah. you know what I mean? Or whatever. I think they did a Florida team. uh, And UCF was was a home-and-home. Who just canceled. Exactly. So he would do something like that, but I think a lot of that, the Texas stuff was about influence in recruiting. You know, those little pockets here and there where Texas, you know, Mm -hmm. the kids who are from that area of Texas can come to the games, see Texas football and normally texas wouldn't have a, a presence there I just had yeah. a flashback to that weird 07 year with like central florida and almost losing arkansas state and then the tcu and like you're as mm. talented as ever but then there's like jamal and jermichael gone like that was a weird time in that texas time. between the two yeah mac hated mac, that team he did he admitted that <laughs> yeah he yeah. hated it like he's like that i don't was, like that team that was, <laughs> i like if he only knew what yeah. was to come in mean, 10 and yeah. so on we didn't touch on it like, but yeah. was it cool what did you hey, i don't know if you it's amazing how how such times are different right? Right? it's a 10 win team you didn't like that team like all right yeah getting to re- rewatch the spring game where mac brown makes his debut as the analyst on longhorn network was actually entertaining because i loved hearing mac brown when i'd randomly turn on a crappy like west coast game and he would be in the booth on a friday night just talking and mac talking football is always entertaining but That's then when he's talking texas football it's so entertaining so i thought that was a treat and i want to bring this up rod i hope i'm not uh intruding on your personal no, business here but uh i heard that uh the mac brown kind of i guess it was a mac appreciation hall of fame gathering with the yeah, players for him going into the college football that, hall of fame, that yeah. you were at mm-hmm. um maybe you can confirm this i was told a certain assistant coach that might be coaching at texas a&m now made the trip oh yeah tim brewster was there Bruce, he would not throw up the horns. Everybody, I heard, I heard everybody was trying to get him to do it, and he refused to do it. I can't do it. I won't do it. But he did. He was there, and his his wife was there. So Coach Bruce showing up was actually big. I think Mac really, really appreciated it. Yeah, that was big time. It was actually a man. It was a lot. Mad Dog was there, and. Man, I can't. I mean, it was so many guys right. there. I think Colt was there. The boys are back in town. Was there, yeah. Shanahan came. And Kyle Shanahan wife. gave you the nugget about Holton Hill that we all should have probably paid more attention to. Yeah, well, yeah, in exactly. hindsight, well, I didn't know he was handing me a little nugget either. But yeah, it, yeah, and we didn't know that until what Matt Miller, Bleach Report, revealed yeah. that. Um, yeah. So yeah, all the guys came out. I mean, I think Mac asked about Sims because Sims wasn't there. 
Um, and, really? And Where's Chris? He did. He asked about Sims. I think he. I, don't, I think he. Well, he asked us about it. He asked the wood about it because we were all there. Yeah. Um, Montreal was there. Bo was. Everybody in the wood was there except for Sims. So only fitting and that he would when ask. We, yeah, and when we were talking to Mac and hanging out, and it was a good time. Sally was there. Um, and and he said, "Hey, what, what did Chris? Did Chris come?" And he's like, "Nah, Chris didn't." <laughs> nah, Chris didn't make that trip. All right, yeah. I want to start right Sounds now on that. the Blitz. And Rod, yes. as, as his, his former roommate on Major? campus, I want you to spearhead this. Major, I believe Major was there. Yeah? I believe I did. He, I didn't I, hear I, about I didn't see Major, but Major was there because Tom Harmon was there. Chris Del Conte was there. From what I was told, Major was there. I didn't get a chance to see Major, though. The only reason I knew Tim Brewster was there is because his son Clint was one of my co-workers at 24-7 oh, Sports. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and Clint told me, yeah, my dad was there. I was like, wow, that's news to me. Yeah, I didn't I know that. I saw Coach Aquino on the corner. He nice. and his wife, I walked up and Coach Aquino was on the corner there. I mean, I walked, so I walked in with Coach Aquino. We hung out most of the night. So Coach Aquino came back. I mean, it was it was a lot of a lot of guys from back in the day that came back. It Rod, was really a cool dude. Rod, you'll like this. So yeah. I was talking to Clint Brewster. Uh, he was asking about you. And you know this is how people know Rod from his playing days it's not how rod's doing it was how's kool-aid doing yeah you go yeah that's because he that's, that's brew though little yeah, kids that's brew. brew i think still calls me kool-aid hmm. i he might have even called me that i think like because brew remember that's like, high school he was yeah. to me so that's what brew like in high school that's what they called me so that's what brew calls me i know and it's still kind of weird you were probably so. like the cool guy like because they were little kids around campus and it was like you just you just be an education major and a outgoing personality yeah, you're one that the they get on man yeah i remember him actually as a youngster. it's crazy seeing mm-hmm. him and quandre Diggs always freaks me out because i remember them <laughs> as little kids no i remember you whenever I mean? the brewster kids i don't know which one it was him or eric promised that he'd bring me a ricky williams autograph to prove that his dad always has ricky williams at the house and i was like <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> He's like, no, I'll bring you an autograph. And I was just like umpiring baseball. I was like, this kid's crazy. Clint and also, it ends up being him. Yeah, yeah, Clint yeah. also has plenty of good Bucky Godbolt stories because the I'm Brewsters sure lived a couple st- a couple yeah. doors down from say. Bucky back yeah. in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, but oh. anyway, so enough of that. So, yeah, Tim Brewster was in the 40 recently. And Rod, Rod uh-huh. confirms it. There you go. That, and that's a, he's, he's hated by Longhorn fans right now. Hanging out in the 40 acres. Hey, see, you, even though the station might be lit, but you still got to come to the 40 to have a good time. <laughs> right? Um, That's Johnny Manziel. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to this non-conference schedule. And so, Rod, when I started looking at this non-conference schedule, you look at it for the – I ran it down for the next decade. And what most people won't see on here, speaking of Tim Brewster, is Texas A&M. And the earliest these two schools are going to be able to play each other is 2028-2028. But when I look at this schedule, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. I love that you brought that up. When I look at the schedule and I think about where that rivalry is, I, I threw it up on my timeline just the schedule and, and was looking at the responses. And ninety nine percent of the response from Texas fans were, "Wow, that, that's a that's a man schedule. That's how you put together a non conference schedule. That's some good road trips coming mm-hmm. up. We're, we're excited about that." Yeah, Texas fans are pumped, and only a small spattering of people within the state or say, well, there's no A&M on there. And my question to you guys is... That's a great point. Outside of the state of Texas, does anybody really care if Texas and Texas A&M play again? Uh, TV networks would like the number, no, but well, not really. But from a national standpoint, if you can give them Texas versus Alabama, no. See, oh, Texas rather, versus LSU, yeah. Texas versus Ohio State, yeah. Yeah. do they really care if Texas I, and Texas I, A&M I'm play I'm going to agree with you and yeah. say that this actually is bad for the reincarnation of the rivalry if it's going to happen in the future. Because that was the one non-conference spot because A&M could take that Alabama spot and they chose a different SEC team. Well, not only that, because I I think Jeff hit the nail on the head. There's And I was actually going to rant on this about the show. It's crazy you bring it up today because I was going to talk about it because there's nothing going on really Hmm. in sports. Um, That 
Texas and Texas A&M fans, they aren't avid enough about bringing the rivalry back. They're not passionate enough They're about it. They're pretty apathetic about it at this point. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, to me, I, and I know people, are like, if you ask them about it, they'll give mm. you an opinion. But you don't see them actively, you know, trying to get these institutions to bring back the rivalry in any way. And I'll give you an example. Uh, you ever watched the show Brooklyn 99? Is that the name of it? I've not, not watched it, but I've seen the Brooklyn name. Nine, Brooklyn 99 nine is what they call it. Some okay. clips okay. Here right. I'm familiar with it. The matter who cares. Yeah. All right. Recently, they canceled it on Fox. They canceled the show. Fans were so pissed off about them canceling the show. They went on social media and started this big campaign about bringing it back. Hmm. They went to uh, the sponsors and and got on sponsors and said, hey, we'll buy your product if you sponsor this show and help bring it back. And you want to know what happened? NBC, within 48 hours, Hmm. bought it, bought the rights of it from Fox. That's so smart. And they're going to bring it back. It's Fox, like what Family Guy yeah, did the first time family, it exploded. Family, yeah. family Guy. Family Guy, same thing. But, but people, they were the ones that yeah. used DVD to make yeah, DVD exactly. sales like its own genre the, for TV. Because fans show, they yeah. really like the show. When they brought up the DVD sales, they were like, holy hell, man. Arrested is, Development did why, the same thing yeah, online people, with Netflix. Why are people buying up these DVDs? Because they really love the show. Texas, Texas A&M fans, I don't see that type of response no. that is going to force an institution as mammoth as Texas or Texas A&M to make a move to rejuvenate this rivalry. So until that happens, it's not going to happen. And I'm with you. As long as they're scheduling Ohio States and Michigans and Bamas and LSUs and USC's, Nobody misses. Mm. Nobody on this end anyway. For Texas fans, we don't miss A and M. Yeah, and that's the big thing about it is and the A&M's difference. And playing in a damn SEC, so I know they got bigger fish to fry than Texas. And so I don't know if either side really even gives a damn anymore. And yeah. that's a big part of it because when you look at both fan bases and the mentality that you mm. come from, basically, you don't want the Aggies don't ever want to do anything to help Texas or to elevate Texas. Exactly. And the same thing, Texas, I would say it's a bit more indifferent, but Texas fans don't want to necessarily want to help out the Aggies if they think it's something that can help. So once the Aggies r- literally broke up like it's a boyfriend and a girlfriend and went away, there's like that type of stubbornness in between the two right now that they are like, no, I'm not going to help you out, and I don't even care about you. I have my own people over here, and I'm over here. And until that gets to the point to where I initially thought the surge that the Aggies would still want to then come back and beat Texas and prove mm-hmm. that we're better, if that mentality ever comes up or if it ever gets to the point where we thought A&M would be with Johnny Manziel or something in Texas is in the point that they need to dethrone it. But that co- means that you have to have the psychology of both fan bases change. And right now, I don't see that happening. I could see the Aggies just wanting to beat Texas, but they're going to wait till they get really good to do that. And you can't predict that stuff in you football. Can't you can't that. do that 15 and years out ahead. Exactly. And they just filled the last, the one non-conference hole that you had when people were speculating was, oh, well, you might be able to get it in here in a decade. We got this opening hole, and now Alabama filled it. And what did Texas do? They didn't go to AM. They they went to the big bad SEC West foe. Alabama's like, no, we can go play the best one of y'all if we're playing SEC team and help, and we aren't going to go and show the in-state you, team our help. Do you realize that from, and I'll include the bowl games in this. Um, Texas will play pretty much damn near everybody in the SEC West by the time that that <laughs> uh, Alabama series is over. Damn near everybody in the SEC West, but A and M. Since A and M left to go to the SEC, they had the home and home with Ole Miss. Ole Miss yeah. They'll have played Arkansas Just twice. They'll have played Alabama twice. 
I mean, yeah, they'll have played LSU twice. Auburn is the only team they they'll play. They'll play. They'll play Missouri in a bowl game. Okay, so let's continue the analogy. Middle fingers. Let's continue the breakup analogy. So when you break up Texas and Texas A&M to really get at Texas A&M and this Texas Cold War, Texas is basically flirting with and dating and having all these one night stands and flings with all of their social circle. Yes, so everybody they know all the. And so it'd be like, yeah, it'd be like a good your girl breaking up with you and then hooking up with all your homeboys in your social circle. Yes. That's what Texas is going to do. They hook it up with all of AM's social circle to the point where AM's like, well, everybody's looking at AM like, yeah, man, you know, we got a piece of that. We got a piece of that. <laughs> that was good, man. We got some good ratings. Until they get hungry to come back. Change. Yeah, it was like, that's... Man. And that's what and I'm so saying. Listen, that's what that's what essentially what's going on. When yeah. you look at the I mentality, can't, I can't help but think it's it's intentional. And I can't help but think it's intentional. And then you think of the mentality. <laughs> what were you just saying? The only way it'd come back is if A and M gets so hungry to want to beat Texas that they actually go and take the forefront, the initiative, and they're proactive to go maybe start the conversations about this game. Otherwise, it's not going to happen unless a great coincidence happens in a bowl game, bowl or game. who even knows or if it could ever be a playoff. playoff baby. That would be. So now the only way it can happen is the sexiest way possible. Yeah. Bowl games and college football. And remember playoffs. how crazy you know that is? one baseball game yeah, was awesome. against AM? Like when Texas played AM in baseball and like the random regional what was in Houston. They had or the winner take all games. And that rice. thing yeah. was mm. out of control. It was intense, man. Was I've there. never seen a college baseball game that intense. Whew. Yeah, man. that'd be cool. And you were watching on TV, brother. I'm telling you, watching that thing from the press box, that was. Oh yeah. Ooh, that was uh that was a dis- even the uh, even the basketball exhibition at Rice. Yeah, not year, it was an exhibition. Mm-hmm. It didn't count for anything. Yeah. But it got there it was got a hit. point in the second half where I'm like, man, yeah. this feels like That's a, how it's supposed to be. Like though. a conference game, yeah, man. It's supposed to be like that cuz you know what? One day it'll come back together. We just don't know how. And right now, as you just pointed out, Jeff, I think what I think what you did so astutely in your piece is state that it ain't coming back no time soon. We might I might be an old man and your <laughs> daughter might be graduating from, from high school or in college or starting her own family by the time it comes back. Right. Like we might we we thought it was gonna be fifteen, twenty years. We may be looking at thirty 40 years. Yeah, because you know Arkansas I mean? felt like that as a little kid with me because my dad would talk about the Arkansas games and you hear about the game of the century, but it wasn't like Texas and Arkansas were facing off in those mid-90s. And it took until, I remember whenever Benson went up and then I think it was VY, was that 04 year, and went up to Arkansas and you had that 03, the Matt Jones. But it had been, I think, a dozen years, 12 years since Texas had played Arkansas yeah. after they broke up. It's, it's one of those deals, though, Rod, kind of like you said. I mean, if you're Chris Conte and you're Texas looking at this and you're saying, okay, if we want to play an SEC West team, why are we going to play A&M when we can go play Alabama? Exactly. Why we settle upgrade. for A&M when we can go play LSU? Or yeah. any of them, just not yeah. help them. No, exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. It almost feels – I didn't see you pointed out, Jeff. I didn't think it's about it. It almost smart. feels – Intentional, like, all right, you guys, you know, you wanna, you wanna try to hurt Texas by pulling out of the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me, let me let you know how we can upstage you in this Texas Cold War. All the recruits that you're trying SEC. to get because of this SEC play. Oh, by the way, now when you try to use that line, man, we play in the SEC. We play the best. We play the best. They're like, well, uh, you know what? We play in Alabama. We're playing them too. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we play in USC, man. We play. So I think it's also it's used in recruiting. So I think a lot of people are like, oh man, the Big Twelve. If you want to go to Big Twelve, you want to go to the to the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten. We had more players drafted. We played bigger, better opponents. I think that the you know the counter uh, recruiting pitch for Texas is 
Uh, we got USC. We got LSU. We got Bama. We got Ohio State. We got Michigan. Don't worry. If we playing yeah, the best. If I'm if I'm A and M, the the counter punch to this is get the SEC to go to a nine game conference schedule and have an, have another opponent from the East on your schedule instead of one of these just I mean playing little sisters of the poor because mm-hmm. you know? look here's A&M's non-conference schedule for the next three years because it's full with their four non-conference games now 18 and 19 they got a home and home with Clemson Clemson goes to College Station this year uh, A&M goes to Death Valley in 2019 and then 2020 starts a two-year home and home with Colorado to A&M, the, the other three games on A&M's 2018 non-conference schedule all home games Northwestern State Louisiana Monroe UAB the 2019 Texas State, Lamar, <laughs> UTSA. Wow. 2020, North Texas, Fresno State, Abilene Christian. They're just trying to run the table in the SEC and get on in. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah. They, I That's going to be tough. I, honestly, it makes sense for them now. They can't afford to. No, they can't. They're, they're not at the point yet in their program rebuilding where they can they can play big time power five. Right. Blue the only counterpunch, the only counterpunch you have to make your schedule look more sexy is to hope the SEC goes to a nine game conference schedule, and you can add maybe you know in a year where your cross divisional opponents are. I think who's their permanent? But I don't opponent? think they're going to want to. There's no reason yeah. to. Is Missouri like, or South Carolina? Because if you win the SEC, perma- you get yeah. an opponent. I think for yeah, I wouldn't matter on this. The SEC, you get it. it you get in, in if you out. win. So they aren't going to do. It. I mean, yeah, but that's the only option they do have. That if, is the only option they do. Oh, have. if yeah. Yeah, 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 to ever have those type of right. games yeah. come up, and then it, I, the way that you've seen like recruiting sort of just become less regionalized, just kids, the world's less regionalized. I think that like this appeal of selling, oh man, we play SEC football or the old Big East basketball all these like things that really meant something back in the day because it was a branding of a region in the area and you wanted to come play it. Nowadays, you, your exposure is everywhere across the board and you're on TV. Even if you're at some crappy school, you're on national outlets and going to be on ESPN2 on Friday night or something. So I think that'll be even less and less of a motivating factor going forward, just right. a less regionalized and, uh, I guess, conference-sized football where the where the SEC recruiting pitch works for A and M is when you get a kid that wants to stay in the state of Texas, a kid from Texas who wants to stay at home, you then you can sell them on if you want to stay in state and play in the SEC, we're the only game in town. Yeah. But where it starts to work against A and M is come hey, you wanna to come to Texas A and M, we play in the SEC. And then Alabama and LSU start recruiting a kid and they say, Well, yeah, I wanna play in the SEC but I want to win championships in the SEC, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna go play for Nick Saban. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Aggies. Thanks for the time. Appreciate the visit, but I'm, I'm gonna go yeah. play for a- that I'm guy produces play for NFL talent and wins titles. Hard to argue with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, um, so he's it, like he's kind of like the Ivy Leagues now. If you get an offer from Nick Saban, you know you almost have to take football. it. You almost have to take it more seriously than you do other offers. It's like, well, this is Nick Saban offered me, so let me think about this. Right. You know what I mean? Even if you were out of state, you don't want to go there. It's like, oh, I don't want to go to Stanford, but if Stanford offers. You're like, okay, let me think about this. There, there are two. Offer. There are two schools. There are two schools that I think Texas. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, yeah. Texas fans who follow recruiting. I think there's two schools that they're okay losing a kid to. It's Alabama and Stanford. Exactly. Because exactly. those are two, you can't argue with either choice. The football argue, or the exactly. academics. That's a great point. And the way you would either one of those. When you just said that about uh, Saban's offers meaning so much now, I remember when watching the uh, 30 for 30 about Bo Jackson, and Bo Jackson said people in his neighborhood would come to his house to see the phone that Bear Bryant called. 
<laughs> so he said, yeah, he's like, people yeah. would come over yeah. and say, want to see the phone that Bear Bryant called <laughs> to offer him his scholarship. Now, he also said he wouldn't start, and that's why he didn't go there. That's good. Um, just looking at A&M's schedule, though, I mean, A&M's mm-hmm. got a home-and-home with Miami, 2022 and 2023, Notre Dame in 2024 and 2025, and they have the open window in 26 and mm-hmm. 27. Got a couple. But they do have, I guess, 28 and 29 where they can schedule something, so – Maybe that will that could sort of line up with a, a change in the scheduling in the SEC. It'd be interesting to see if, like, by twenty twenty one, this is when they go to that nine game schedule because that would open up that type of strategy. Like, you're yeah. About. Plus, the other thing you got to think about too, Matt, is at some point here in the next, you know, what five or so years, mm-hmm. we have another round of conference realignment, most likely once no all doubt. these TV contracts yep. come up. Mm-hmm. So and, and that's that's gonna be fa- that's fascinating to me because Rod, I know you delve into this part of it more than I do. When you start looking at cord cutting and oh man, uh, str- where streaming, streaming going and, and what's yeah. ESPN gonna do and yeah. who's gonna be on the cutting edge of having a streaming network? I know me being a CBS employee, CBS just launched CBS HQ, which is their kind of twenty four hour mm-hmm. just straight. Here's yeah. what's happening. Here's your scores, highlights. Boom, this is what it is. And I think it's going to be more of a feeding frenzy now with legalized sports gambling. I think yeah. you're going to want more. It's more lucrative now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sports contracts will be more valuable. So I'm with you, man. I think it's going to be crazy. And then, you know, Texas is always the hottest woman on the dance floor. What's Texas going to do with real life? Because here's here's my, here's an yeah. interesting thing, though. And I, I, I really, in the back of my head, I keep thinking this is the conference that's going to that's going to change it, Rod. Whatever conference comes to the table, it's a, you know, at CBS, I've got a feeling is going to re up with the SEC for whatever it costs. Well, it's because SEC, yeah, yeah, that's a brand, the SEC, yeah, SEC on CBS. But with a with a conference like the Big Twelve, does Amazon or Facebook mm-hmm. yeah. come to the Big Twelve and say, "Hey, we'll pay you"? You yeah. know, ESPN's offering you each school, you know, twenty five million a year. We'll give each school forty million yeah, a year to, to make Amazon your 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 top tier, your tier one. Give Amazon your tier one rights. Yeah, no, they're, I agree. They're in the ballpark. Content, already. yeah, because they want they need and especially now where, like I said, you you have people who are gambling, which means people are going to watch more games actually for longer, no, uh, like, and they're with more interest. Yeah, man, people. The sports now becomes even more valuable. So I'm with you. I think you may have some players that weren't in on the last con bidding will be in on this bidding that may change the game. Yeah, right. and I mean, we saw the NFL experiment in using Twitter itself yeah. to stream a game, and then this year was hilarious because baseball has a very f- loyal fan base that loves to watch their games, and local viewership has huge numbers in all right. these local entities, but then nobody knew where to watch the Mets on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You had all these old people that are 60 plus years old signing on because now the Mets were oh, yeah. season opener was going to be streamed live on Facebook and the, it's just not knowing oh, how yeah. to connect yeah. those two entities. The Rangers right now, the last two games, the Rangers have so not been on Facebook. So it's weird how baseball is so, yeah. oh, so far behind in certain things but so far ahead in certain technological things like the analytics and just the deep mm-hmm. dive and the science of sports and then even testing out things like Facebook as the streaming entity, so yeah, it's going to change definitely. And I still can't get an Astros game at Austin. Austin, even when it's on MLB Network, we get blacked out yeah. in Austin because we are one. But then it's just Comcast. You got to switch over to Directv. That's about your only bet. I'm not switching over. I'm that's that's all you got. I've been I've been with <laughs> Dish for a long over. time, hoping they'd pick it up too. Honestly, I go I go with Spectrum because they're the cheapest option. That's how I kind of view my my cable watching. There you go. I don't want to pay an arm and a leg for it. You know, Rod, this is kind of off subject. But, yeah, I mean, my wife and I went through the Mm – we were going through the TV a couple weeks ago. We're like, what are we really paying for? Like, 
We watch like three or four channels, and that's exactly. it. And all those can, you can get via some other app or Roku or mm-hmm. some Amazon Fire Stick. So, yeah, we're just lazy. That's why we haven't cut the cord. Our laziness is what they depend on to make money. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm about to do it in the next year or so. The a la carte TV. is a big thing. Ooh, a-, a la carte yeah. TV is the way to go, man. That's true. Yeah, I, there you go. I like that phrase. A la it's all carte about TV. changing up your, your regimen. If you're used to watching exactly. things certain ways, it, all what, it is is figuring what out what how Oprah to do say, it. You do something for two weeks, it'll become a habit, and yep. you'll do it all the time. Boom. Mm-hmm. Do something for Oprah. two weeks, it becomes a habit? That's what Oprah said. Man. I can't believe. So you got I mean, I think when you think about it, it's like, yeah, actually, that makes sense. 14 days in a row, yeah. You for, do something 14 days in a row, you'll do it. So yeah. if, I go, if I go play golf... 14 days in a row. I'll You're just have probably to well, you'd have to be interested in it. But yeah, if you decide that you want to go golfing 14 consecutive days in a row, That's I would bet you. Yeah. You're talking about. I'm interested in it. I'm just not very good at golf. <laughs> True. You know? Now here's yeah, the you know? challenge. Bucky Try either, to physically just go do that. Yeah, Bucky, perfect Bucky's example. Good, but he does it every day. He's addicted to golf. That's a habit. He is addicted to golf. There you go. It is a habit. Um, we got a couple minutes left, and uh, Rod, I want to just hit on this real quick, and we'll have to carry this over to next week's show. But I want to start um, really breaking down the nitty gritty uh, of the football team as we go along. We've got the schedule game coming up here in a few weeks where we'll we'll break it down. Uh, actually, we might start that next week. I don't know. I got to look at it, and we'll have our pre-show meeting that's going to last all of five minutes next week. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. But Rod, I, I was looking at Trey Watson's numbers, and we talked about this yeah. last week. This is some carryover from last week's show. And I started thinking about, you know, every year we kind of look at, from a big picture standpoint, what is this offense going to have to be like? Well, what are they yeah. going to have to play like? I've been what thinking Texas, about this too. What Texas offense are they going to yeah. resemble? And the more I think about it, now I'm not saying because if Texas had this mm-hmm. record, be like, oh, they're going to win that many games. No, I, think, I'm I know where you're going here. <clears throat> but you mentioned Chris Obanaya, mm-hmm. and I look at the 2008 offense. Yeah. And that was an offense where Colt McCoy led Texas in rushing with – like five sixty one and eleven mm-hmm. touchdowns. Yeah. And when you look at how this Texas offense is designed, can you conceivably see Sam Ellinger having similar numbers? If he starts ten plus games, yeah. No doubt. Okay. He can easily lead them in Russia. So Chris Obanaya had I think three like almost three seventy five. Yeah. Three seventy three, I think, is mm-hmm. what his rushing total yeah. was that year. But he was at about five yards of carry, which we said last week was kind of the sweet spot. That's for Trey, Trey Watson's Watson. career right. average. That's the sweet spot. About yeah. five yards of carry. And uh, Ob and I had 46 catches that year, which yeah, I don't know if Trey Watson. Club. I don't know if Trey Watson's a 40 plus catch guy, but oh, yeah, that's yeah. what we said. That's kind of the model for him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you think about that, and then you think about the running back situation. It's like, well, what if you're not asking Tonyo Carter and Danny Young and Keontae Ingram? What if you're not asking those guys to be 20 carry game backs? So what if you just want them? to specialize in the areas where they're really good. This is true. And you start looking at that 08 offense and you say, okay, you had, you know, Fozzie Whitaker was kind of your third down guy, mm-hmm. uh, your scat back type guy. Cody Johnson was your goal line, you know, your short yardage runner. Um, you had, you know, Vondrell McGee was kind of your just good, dependable, you yeah. know he's going to be there. You need to get reps. Kind of no frills type guy, but yeah. you can trust him to, to go mm-hmm. in there and, and, and do the job. And the 09 team, Trey Watson could be the Trey Newton. But And you, yeah. you, you look at that 08 team and you start looking at, okay, that's how you're going to piece it together. And then you start looking at the other elements of the offense and say, okay, 
there's your strength on offense is clearly the wide receiver position. You got two goals. With, without question. I don't yeah. think there's anybody that can debate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With between Colin Johnson and Lloyd Jordan Humphrey and De- you know, the emergence of Devin Duvernay this spring. Rod Hurd. And oh, by the way, John Burt just won the Big Twelve championship in the one ten hurdles. Yeah. And, and we know John Burt's got big playability in there somewhere. It's just a matter of consistency. So really your game breaking weapons, your proven commodities from that standpoint are all at receiver. On the outside. And we talk about and the one element though, this offense will have that the 08 and now look again not saying this offense is going to produce like the 08 offense did oh no you never said that, that at any point of this um but the one element this offense has that that offense didn't is the tight end position because of yeah. blaine irby's knee injury early in the year yeah think about like those first couple games matt you remember that utep game mm-hmm. where like irby you know had a couple catches and you're like yep. wow man if they got something in blaine irby this thing's going to take off and credit Greg Davis for switching things on the fly, and he used Jordan Shipley in the slot more. Yeah. And boom, boom, boom! They made it he work. He brought up Dan yeah. Buckner as a Dan Buckner was the flex tight end. That's yeah. what I was thinking. That when you yeah. when you first were posing the question, I was thinking that 09 because of guys like Trey Newton and Buckner, and then it's yeah. the same thing with 08 when you have a guy, you know, another another good receiver in Quan Cosby in there. But it just makes total sense with that quarterback. You just put him in the shotgun with the single back set. You can run two if you want, but single back set because then you have that option of two guys that can run. The the ball and use that mobility or then just use that it, it all comes down the difference is the quick decision making process and being able to identify quickly because mm-hmm. if you're understanding what you're seeing that back out of the backfield is going to be open in that short time window between him being picked up by somebody or if you're finding somebody else so just the ability that Colt had within just that 10 yard window to identify the weakness and exploit it and always be right so if you can get that mental ability of the quarterback to that level mm-hmm. would be huge. That and, and that year was Colt McCoy's fourth year on campus, his third year as a starter. And I think the thing that being further away now from it, the thing I appreciate about Colt McCoy as a quarterback is his ability to play clean and quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ability to mm-hmm. not be a sloppy decision maker, be make good decisions, crisp. but make yeah. them quickly. Yeah, crisp. It just was. Decisive. Just boom, boom, boom. Just, like, just a that. well-oiled very, machine. Very, it was very few times I saw him win a sloppy play. You know Especially I mean? like, in 08, man. In 08. Yeah, it was just like everything was obviously really clean, well, it was crisp, like how and the quick. video game was easier to play yeah. than real life. It was like he was a video game yes. in real life. Especially in 08, man. Oh, t- Col- Colt McCoy's best season on the 40 was, was 2008. It was like 70 something. 76, right? 76 wasn't it? Was like, yeah, so many, exactly. So everything was. It was like really crisp. And then you had Quan Cosby and Jordan Shipley. Uh, and, and then you had, yeah, Obanaya. So you did have a lot of versatile weapons that we just didn't really think right. about. You know? So there's the difference, though, between the 08 offense and this offense. Sam Ellinger is not going to be that in yeah. 2018. No. Regardless of how good he is, he's not going to be but that. But a budget version of Cole McCoy, I'll take all day, every day. And uh, the thing that yeah. I like about it too, Rod, is Sam Ellinger's... If and Again, a wow. lot of this is predicated on Sam Ellinger staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Like that offensive line, this offensive line is not going to be a great offensive line. That 08 offensive line was not a great offensive line. No, it wasn't. It was a serviceable offensive line. There you go. But an average offensive it line. Was a, it was average mm-hmm. to a slightly above average. It but like we talked about, of the descent. with this team, if the offensive line play is average, 
that's a that's an improvement. a huge step forward from yeah. what it was last year. I was year. gonna say that's a huge improvement. And you know what? I think it will be. I'm starting to get optimistic. I mean, you look at the this is an experienced offensive line now. You look at it when Calvin Anderson comes into the mix with Shackelford, with Vahe and Kerstetter and all those guys. Yeah. The core of it anyway. The danger we get into though, Rod, and you know this is when we talk about we're just talking about how's this gonna work, we start getting into best case scenarios. Yeah. And that's always a slippery slope when you're thinking Very about true. okay, if if this, this and this happens and it's great, yeah, exactly. but this, this, and this never happen the way you think it's going to happen. It one does. of, if it's four things, two of them might happen. One might be in the ballpark, and one might be way off from what you hope it was. Exactly. But right. I, I think it, the key is for Texas, and, and and I'm thinking realistically, if you can find good roles for those backs to be in, if you can make use of the tight end position, and the receiver position plays up to what it's supposed to play up to, yeah. what. The coaches expected it to be last year, and it clearly wasn't. Then you've probably got an offense that's capable of winning you eight or nine games in the regular season. If everybody's average, think about last year. You had under average, you had below average, like position groups that would bring the whole entire group down. Right. Running back, offensive line. This year, O line average. Trey Watson makes the running back group average. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers above average. Quarterbacks now more veteran quarterbacks above average or at average. And I guarantee I'm with you. That's eight or nine wins right there. Yeah. Just average play. It's the biggest key offense. to like all sports success. Is if you just have <laughs> just that the, around yeah. your good guys, normal. Yeah. And that's good. There you go. And that's kind of what, you know, when we talk about we get into playing the schedule game, which we're going to do here before too long, is when you start looking at win ceilings, the thing I go back to is this. Can the offense make enough improvement to make up for the advantage you no longer have in the kicking game with Michael mm, Dixon being there? There you go. That's real, man. That's real. If if it can, then we saw last year, you're you're one bad half against Maryland and a one bad quarter against Texas Tech away from being an eight win team. No doubt, everybody agrees. Yeah, it's that simple. And you can go further. You're one bad Sam Ellinger throw against Oklahoma State from being there. You're a fumble on the goal line against SC from being there. You're a coverage bust against OU from yeah. being there. Game of inches. Well, so that literally just shows where consistency is so key that if you can just fix those few things, you don't think about the uh, accumulation of the sum at the end of the season, but all those little winning in the margin things right. add up to those things. And you take what Matt's saying, you take what I'm saying, Rod, and we'll close on this, is if you can get yourself to that point where you're not bad in any area, like your offense isn't bad, mm-hmm. if your offense is average, if your special teams is average, and if your defense is above average, which I, I tend to think it will be with Chris Nelson coming back and getting Gary Johnson healthy, yeah, all the stuff we talk about, now you're in a position to where we saw the, the main stride we saw this program take last year you're comp- you're, in, you're going into the fourth quarter in every ball game with a chance to win. Yeah, and all those games that were decided by three points, one point, all that, now they tip in your favor. Yep. Yeah. With another year, with another year of experience, yeah. with a more experienced quarterback, better decision making, blah blah blah, all that stuff. No so we'll get more into that as we go on. But let's go ahead and close the book on this uh, latest adventure of the Blitz. It was a good one, Matt. Thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network, one zero four nine to Horn Horn FM dot com, AM twelve sixty, and worldwide on the Horn app, where you can hear Rod on the Rodcast each and every weekday from Shameless one to three. Plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, any podcast app you've got, and get all of our archives, old interviews. You want to hear our Earl Thomas interview from back in the day, our national championship retrospective with Tim Crowder and Casey Studdard, and anything we've done throughout the history of Longhorn Blitz, it's all on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud Yep, page. just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.